Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, as you can see on your screen, we are once again going to be talking about big tech giants, in this case, in respect of terms of service changes. A number of you reached out to me to talk to me about this little notification, which I have highlighted in yellow on the top of the current Facebook terms of service document, which says that section 3.2 will be updated effective October 1st, 2020. Click here to preview the new version. And you asked me to cover what this terms of service change meant. So like I have done in the past, as I have looked at these terms of service on these various platforms before, I took this version of the terms of service, I took the new version of the terms of service, and I compared them in a red line document manager that I have here at the law firm. And surprise, surprise, the only change that Facebook actually made was to section 3.2. And it was only the addition of a single sentence. So if we go to these modified terms and conditions, terms of service, as Facebook calls them, we can see in paragraph 3.2, this yellow sentence was added. And this yellow sentence says only the following. We also can remove or restrict access to your content services or information if we determine that doing so is reasonably necessary to avoid or mitigate adverse legal or regulatory impacts on Facebook to take that out of the realm of legalese, if we think a government somewhere could hurt us for operating in the way that we do, or because you have posted something, we can remove that something, or we can restrict your access to that something. And you say, well, that's an interesting thing to add. We'll note here in this second paragraph of their third section that this is where they otherwise document what they can change, what they can remove, in general for violations of their community standards, if it's unlawful, misleading as determined by Facebook, discriminatory, fraudulent, infringes somebody else's intellectual property rights, etc. They say that we can remove or restrict access to content that is in violation of those provisions. And then they added this extra disclaimer to say, hey, by the way, we can also do things that relate to legal or regulatory impacts to Facebook. Now, one of the overall questions that people had for me is, does this do anything? What additional rights does Facebook have over me, over what I can do? What should I be worried about here? In the broad strokes version of this discussion, Facebook hasn't really changed what they otherwise have the authority to do. In this section, they say that they can remove things that are in violation of these various standards and are unlawful, etc. But they never really lacked the right to remove things in general. If we scroll down all the way to the bottom of these terms, and these are in the current terms, you see this paragraph 9 of section 4 that says that Facebook reserves all rights not expressly granted to you. Said another way, If Facebook hasn't told you that you get something or get some protection from them, then Facebook can do whatever it wants. Now, this is very broadly written because they don't otherwise say, hey, we can just remove content that we want to, even though that reservation of rights basically accomplishes that function for them. If you've been in virtual legality for a while, you probably remember me covering a similar terms of service change last year for YouTube in this video in which I discussed YouTube adding a commercial viability subsection to when they can remove content. And it was there where I read through their terms of service and said, yes, YouTube is now adding a little bit of language that says they can remove content if it's not commercially viable for YouTube. But that's very similar to what Facebook is trying to achieve with their language. And YouTube actually has some more express language which covers their overall rights as a content kind of provider, access provider. If we reasonably believe that any content is in breach of this agreement 
or may cause harm to YouTube, our users, or third parties, we may remove or take down that content in our discretion. So that language is a little bit more fulsome. Personally, as a lawyer, I like YouTube's language in terms of transparency better than Facebook's language, where YouTube comes right out and says, look, if this will cause harm to us, that could be legal harm, that could be regulatory harm, that could be damages, that could be whatever it is, we can take it down. We are providing a platform, we are providing an access point, but we aren't obligated to keep your information up. Facebook does the same thing. Facebook reserves the right to do whatever it wants, doesn't obligate itself to give anybody specific access to its platform, but does it in a little bit less transparent way. So if you're looking at this, the, the broad strokes takeaway from this additional bit of language is that it doesn't change much because Facebook could always take down the content that it wanted to take down. And honestly, even without that transparent language from YouTube, there are enough gray areas and ambiguities in their, in their community standards, in what Facebook might otherwise deem to be misleading or unlawful, that Facebook always had the ability to basically modify and change what appears on its platform. And I know a number of you in the comments have issues with that, have issues with how Section 230 of the CDA here in the US interact with Facebook and big tech in general on these kinds of points. That's all fair. But for right now, the main takeaway is that this language that Facebook has added doesn't do much. So the question is, why was it added? And I think the answer to that, like all good things that are answers to terms of service, is that it's lawyers. Lawyers made them add it. But why did lawyers make them add it? The answer to that is really in respect of Australia. The reason why this thumbnail is entitled Facebook Down Under is because Australia is going through some stuff with respect to a law that it wants to propose really to affect primarily Google and Facebook. And I have pulled up now their ACCC, which I believe is their Consumer and Competition Commission or Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, ACCC, which has been putting together a law over this summer that has gotten Facebook and Google in particular a little bit upset. Or as they summarize, on 20 April 2020, the Australian government asked the ACCC to develop a mandatory code of conduct to address bargaining power imbalances between Australian news media businesses and digital platforms, specifically Google and Facebook. The draft code would allow news media businesses to bargain individually or collectively with Google and Facebook over payment for the inclusion of news on their services. Now, it's interesting kind of framework from a legal perspective and from a language perspective here. The draft code would allow them to bargain, yes. The other way to uh, read the code is that it forces Google and Facebook to bargain with these various news media businesses, which is what Google and Facebook object to. They say that the code seeks to address the fundamental bargaining power imbalance between Australian news media businesses and major digital platforms. This imbalance has resulted in news media businesses accepting less favorable terms for the inclusion of news on digital platform services than they would otherwise agree to. While bargaining power imbalances exist in other areas, the bargaining power imbalance between news media businesses and major digital platforms is being addressed as a strong and independent media landscape is essential to a well-functioning democracy. So there are a couple of things to take out here, and we're going to look at a longer Q&A document about this particular draft code that the ACCC in Australia has put together, because otherwise to look at the direct statute is very difficult for someone, certainly outside of Australia, but I think even Australian attorneys, to do. But there are a couple of things here, right? They are saying that news media organizations, particularly those in Australia who they have jurisdiction over, can't bargain with Google and Facebook because Google and Facebook have billions and billions of dollars. They're huge multinational corporations, and that's all true. 
But generally speaking, that's true for any number of industries as they address in the second paragraph. And Google and Facebook aren't generally obligated to negotiate with anybody. And these news businesses don't have the leverage that they might otherwise have if they were bigger institutions. And so Australian's government wants to step in and essentially allow them to put their thumb on the scales. As you can imagine, Google and YouTube object to that. And so we get into this big argument about what should be done here. Platforms covered. Digital platforms must participate in the code if the treasurer makes a determination specifying that the code would apply to them. They get to pick. The government has announced that the code would initially apply only to Facebook and Google. And they have some other discussion points here about what is covered. Like all good things, we like to go to the primary source material. We looked at the primary source material here, and like all good laws, it's virtually impenetrable for someone that isn't well-versed in this particular statutory code. And I certainly am not with respect to Australia, certainly am not with respect to the things that this piece of legislation, this law would interact with under Australian statutory codes. And so I turned to the Q&As that were drafted and put together by this organization, the ACCC, in putting this code together to try to get a better understanding of what this thing is doing. So this is what Facebook is worried about. This is what Google is worried about. As we talked about, it's designed to mandate certain amounts of bargaining. It's also designed to set what they call minimum standards for the treatment of news on digital platform services. Addressing issues such as providing an advanced notice of algorithmic ranking changes, appropriately recognizing original news content, and providing information about how and when Google and Facebook make available user data collected through users' interactions with the news content. They then cover a lot of the stuff that they covered in their overall summary page, which we just looked at. They said that, hey, we rejected the notion of a funding pool or something that the government would set in terms of value in favor of what will amount to an arbitration mandated kind of pricing scheme, which we will also look at. But then we get into what this thing actually is designed to address. So it's designed to address Australian news sources. It says under the draft code, news media businesses in Australia wishing to participate would apply to the ACMA, which is their broadcasting authority, I believe. They will be eligible to be included in this group of folks that can force Google and Facebook to negotiate with them if they predominantly produce core news, which this is framed as being political reporting, court and crime reporting. They have editorial standards and they maintain editorial independence from the subjects of their news coverage. In addition to the criteria above, an eligible news media's business must also exceed $150,000, which is interesting, if only because the overall thesis of this particular law is that there is unequal bargaining power and there can be no more unequal bargaining power than in the really, really small news organizations. But I imagine $150,000 was picked as a kind of de minimis threshold number for you are real and not some kind of hobbyist news provider. But it still is interesting because it goes against what is the overall philosophy of the code. What type of news is covered? Well, in order to be eligible to participate, as we just discussed, a news media business must nominate one or more of its news sources that mainly produces core news. But once a news media business is eligible to participate, they would be able to negotiate with digital platforms over all news, not just the core news described above. So if you are a newspaper or some other news organization and you create politics news or crime news or what have you, that's fine. Once you get in, once you're in the club, you can force negotiations about your sports news and your entertainment news and things that might potentially drive more clicks to your website or other news source. They then defend this entire policy by saying that it will benefit smaller regional and rural news media businesses because that was part of the ambit of what they were intended to do here. And then we get to 
some of how this actually works. How would the code encourage bargaining? Well, once the news media organization is in the bargaining group, they can force Google or Facebook to negotiate with them. This would be a forced negotiation, a forced mediation, and if they still can't agree after three months of time, you wind up in what is called final offer arbitration. If the parties have not reached an agreement for the inclusion of news on digital platform services within three months of negotiation and the parties have attended at least one day of mediation, news media businesses can elect to commence arbitration. The arbitrator is chosen through the ACMA. Who pays? It's paid equally. It's something like between $800 and $2,000 a day. And which digital platform services would be included in that arbitration? This is where things get really interesting. By default, Arbitration under the draft code would only consider the inclusion of news on the following digital platform services, Facebook, Facebook's newsfeed, Instagram, and the Facebook news tab when launched in Australia. We'll get back to that. More specifically interesting to me was if you look at the Google categories, number one, the bullet point number one under Google is Google search, not a Google news tab, not their news directory, not Google discover, the actual search function of Google. Australia wants to attach its news media organizations to mandating payment arbitration with Google if the news organization shows up in Google search. As they say, these services have been selected on the basis that they display Australian news without typically offering revenue sharing arrangements to all news media businesses that produce this content. Now, that's interesting in and of itself, right? Google search puts ads up on a search response, but they also link to the news item, which presumably is selling its own ads. So it's unclear exactly what kind of revenue sharing from a search bar feature they would want here. I think that is distinct from a kind of news tab or news curation function that either Google or Facebook might have. Search is the one that jumped out to me as being a little bit overbroad if the rest of this isn't already overbroad. However, should both parties agree arbitration under the draft code can include other relevant digital platform services. It's not limited to these bullet points if they want to negotiate for more. And then we get into what final offer arbitration even is. It's not normal arbitration. It's not submitting your case to an arbitrator and them deciding on what they want to do, except when it is. Arbitration under the code would be performed through final offer arbitration. The digital platform and news media business must each submit a final offer on the remuneration to be paid by the digital platform within 10 days of the commencement of arbitration. Parties would then have a further five business days to provide comments on each other's offer. The ACCC itself, this organization, may on occasion make a submission to the arbitrator to assist with consideration of the party's submissions or to provide guidance on the application and interpretation of the code. The arbitrator has discretion on whether to consider the ACC's submission. After receiving submissions and comments from the parties, the arbitrator would have 30 business days to choose one or the other of the party's final offers. So the way this is designed to work is Google submits a, an offer price that says, you know, zero dollars, one, one cent per, per feature on our search bar. And they say a hundred dollars whenever we appear on the search bar. And then the arbitrator is supposed to have to pick between one cent and a hundred dollars. They're supposed to have to pick on that based on what they will determine to be the direct and indirect benefit from the content of the news business, the cost to the news business of producing the news content, and whether a particular payment amount would place an undue burden on the digital platform. And they're supposed to interpret all of these things by themselves in a kind of amorphous, ambiguous arbitration power. Why does the draft code propose final offer arbitration rather than conventional commercial arbitration? Well, 
it's because we wanted to have the arbitrator have to decide between reasonable offers and not to go further in terms of valuation. However, if you go back up to 4.6 here, you see this paragraph, which is pretty important to kind of defeating the whole purpose of this entire setup. If the arbitrator forms the view that both offers raise significant public interest concerns related to consumer welfare or the provision of public interest journalism, they may adjust the more reasonable of the two offers. However, this mechanism is expected to be used rarely. So what the Australian government has put forth here is a mandatory obligation for Google and Facebook to negotiate with Australian news providers that can negotiate every bit of whatever they want with respect to their news obligations once they have shown that they make some form of politics or crime or court news that that can then be applied to entertainment news and what's likely to be really making them money. They can apply that to Google. They have to enter into discussions for three months, but if that doesn't happen, they can then go to mandatory arbitration where an arbitrator is supposed to pick between two choices, but really isn't limited to picking between those two choices. And the ACCC can actually come in with their own opinion as to what the price should be. It is no surprise that Google and Facebook are looking at this and going, this is all crazy. We don't want any part of this. We don't want a part of Australian arbitrators somewhere setting prices for publisher activity, for publisher access that is otherwise already getting them clicks and what YouTube and Facebook believe to be already getting them benefits. But it gets worse for them. As we talked about, this law also applies what they call minimum standards. In addition to the obligation to bargain in good faith the draft code introduces a series of minimum standards for digital platforms to meet in their dealings with news media businesses. These would require digital platforms to give news media businesses at least 28 days notice of algorithm changes likely to materially affect their traffic, algorithm changes designed to affect ranking of news behind paywalls that YouTube or, or Google or, or Facebook would otherwise knock down things that are behind paywalls in order to get free things up in front of more people's eyeballs, substantial changes to display and presentation of news and advertising directly associated with news on digital platform services. Uh, understand this in terms of the world of tech. YouTube, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, whoever doesn't give 28 days notice of algorithm changes. They're pretty constantly tweaking their algorithms behind the scenes. And this would be prohibitively damaging to their ability to make those changes. Now, maybe you hate Google, maybe you hate Facebook and you say, hey, this is great. They would at least have to slow down to any changes for at least a four week period. I think it would be deleterious to the effects of what they want to put out there as a product. And I think that a lot of people and consumer experiences would be harmed if they had to go through a four week period before updates every single time, especially the correct things that might otherwise be wrong or buggy with the algorithm as it, as it acts today. You can disagree with that. Absolutely leave that comment to this video. But ultimately, I think 28 days is just a long period of time for tech companies to have to give notice. And especially if they change their mind or want to change something else in the code or the algorithm within that 28 day period where it restarts, starts over again. They also have to give news media businesses clear information about the nature and availability of user data collected through users' interactions with news on their service. They have to essentially open up to these news media businesses about what they're doing with the user data and how users are interacting with their news clicks. They have to publish proposals to appropriately recognize original news on their services. They have to provide flexible user comment moderation tools for news media businesses. I don't even know what that means with respect to at least some of the things they identified, the news tab, the Google search bar, what it means to have comment moderation tools offered by the digital platform. Or if 
like on Facebook, they are intending Facebook to give the news organizations the ability to modify everywhere where it appears on a Facebook timeline. Very unclear as to what the proposal even there would be and very difficult for a big tech giant, even with multi-billions of dollars, to understand what compliance with that particular requirement looks like. They also have to allow news media businesses to prevent their news from being included on any individual digital platform service, an opt-out. As we will see, that last bullet is likely to not be a problem if this law goes into effect because Google and Facebook are very likely to take draconian steps against Australian news media providers. And that's really what I wanted to get to here. When you get to the end, in case you're thinking maybe Google and Facebook don't have to worry about this, you get to enforcement and the potential penalties. You see these enormous penalties, $10 million, three times the benefit obtained from the conduct in violation of the law, or 10% of a digital platform's annual turnover revenue in Australia in the last 12 months, the maximum of those. So this law would actually purport to allow the ACCC in Australia in general to inflict massive penalties on Facebook and Google and potentially more when the ACCC and the other bodies actually bring in more digital platforms over and above just Google and Facebook. So as you can imagine, this hasn't been received very well in Google and Facebook. And so one of the things that you have seen are the changes like this one in the Facebook Terms of Service. Hey, we can remove your content if we determine that it will mitigate adverse legal impacts to Facebook. If we can get out of this by removing your content, then we will. And in fact, as shown in this Axios article, which is talking about this today, the behind the scenes on this is that Facebook is very unlikely to put together their news tab. A source confirmed to Axios last week that the company likely won't be launching its new Facebook news tab in Australia. The news tab, which Facebook is expanding globally, is a venue for Facebook to pay select publishers for their work, to actually pay them for putting content onto a tab that Facebook curates and otherwise pays out for. Those contracts, however, are up to Facebook and nothing stops Facebook from changing the payout structure over time. The big picture, as described by Axios here, is if Australia adopts this law and it becomes a model for others around the world, publishers, publishers of news, hope that the approach would provide a significant boost to the news industry. However, history shows that tech giants don't take well to this type of law and would rather pull out of a country altogether than be forced to pay publishers on terms set by lawmakers. And indeed, if you go and follow this all the way down the rabbit hole, only a few days ago, you see Facebook making that exact claim an update about changes to Facebook's services in Australia. Assuming this draft code becomes law, we will reluctantly stop allowing publishers and people in Australia from sharing local and international news on Facebook and Instagram. This is not our first choice. It is our last, but it is the only way to protect against an outcome that defies logic and will hurt, not help, the long-term vibrancy of Australia's news and media sector. The proposed law is unprecedented in its reach and seeks to regulate every aspect of how tech companies do business with news publishers. Yeah, understand that the, the, the bullet in the gun from the ACCC in Australia is that mandatory arbitration, which is only to be applied specifically to the payments to be made for the news availability. But before you get to that point, which is problematic in and of itself for these big tech giants, you actually have the obligation to have good faith negotiations and mediation for three months regarding anything that the news business unit wants to negotiate about their relationship with you. So it seeks to regulate every aspect of how tech companies do business with news publishers is accurate. The ACCC presumes that Facebook benefits most 
in its relationship with publishers when in fact the reverse is true. Again, according to Facebook, this is their comment. News represents a fraction of what people see in their news feed, probably not an accurate name for their feed then, and is not a significant source of revenue for us. Still, we recognize that news provides a vitally important role in society and democracy, which is why we offer free tools and training to help media companies reach an audience many times larger than they have previously. And then they make the kind of economic pitch. News organizations in Australia and elsewhere choose to post news on Facebook for this precise reason, and they encourage readers to share news across social platforms to increase readership of their stories. This in turn allows them to sell more subscriptions and advertising, more clicks. Over the first five months of 2020, we sent 2.3 billion clicks from Facebook's news feed back to Australian news websites at no charge. It's just what Facebook does. They collect some data, sure, but no charge. Additional traffic worth an estimated 200 million Australian dollars to Australian publishers. I have no idea where that number comes from. Probably an average of advertising click-through rates for 2.3 billion clicks, maybe. But Facebook is trying to say, look, this is the way the internet works. This is the way social media works. You link these things on your timeline. They go into the newsfeed. People follow them. Those clicks come through Facebook. It serves as what amounts to free advertising. And then you get people to click on your website where you're otherwise serving ads on that website. And you make money from the folks that see those ads. And so Facebook says that's what has been okay with everybody else in the world. That's been what has been okay with news media across the globe. But... Australia is a little bit right here insofar as news media is collapsing in terms of numbers, in terms of output, in terms of organizational breadth. And so they're looking to get involved. But I think we can see both sides of the coin here because Facebook and Google don't want to be forced into mandatory arbitration with really no guardrails about what an arbitrator can do. So yeah, Australia says they have all of these kind of protections about what that pricing can be. Google and Facebook don't think that they owe pricing on these various things because they think they're already paying for advertising or or allowing advertising to get to these places and don't want to put the hands of their business model into some third party sitting in Australia deciding these things based on what exactly. And so you wind up in the position of Facebook. And I would expect similar positions to come out from Google, especially with respect to Google search, saying, hey, this is impossible to comply with and we're going to cut off access to Australia, right? Axios is right. It is easier for Facebook and Google to just say, you know what? We aren't going to give you the services that we were otherwise giving to you in those locations because it's prohibitive to try to comply with your law. And we don't think that we're going to be overly harmed. We think that your news media organizations, your consumer base, your constituents in Australia are going to be more harmed. So we're going to play a giant game of chicken. So Facebook starts setting that up. Hey, we're going to be ready. We're going to have a sentence that even though we were already allowed to do this, we were already allowed to take down things that were unlawful and it would be unlawful if we weren't paying money if Australia passes this law. We were already take down, already allowed to take down things whenever we wanted because we reserved the right to control our platform and we didn't give you the right to just have content up willy-nilly. Even though all of that is the case, we're going to put this sentence in that makes specific if we think something harms us legally or regulatorily that we can take down that content, that comment, that news link, whatever it might be. So at the end of the day, this entire story is about Australia. This entire story is about the Australian government, is about the ACCC. And if anything, the one thing that you should be concerned about if you use Facebook, you use Google or anything else is that these terms are going to go in here. And if there was any ambiguity that could have potentially been in your favor with respect to regulations and laws in the future, I don't think that there was. But if there was, 
it's going to be gone now because Australia is forcing Facebook and Google and probably another number of digital platform providers and tech giants to put language like this in their terms of service. And though it doesn't change anything on a day-to-day basis for you or I, this entire fight is likely to change how Facebook and Google interact with Australia and maybe places beyond. This has been Virtual Legality for today. I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you enjoyed talking about these kinds of issues here. As you can see, we talk about these kinds of things all the time in this space, the business and law of popular culture. If you like this, please like, subscribe, share, ring bells, tell other people that we are here. And if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. If you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.